Good morning, Bethel family. I trust you are warm and cozy and doing well. I'm so excited about what God is getting ready to do and, and the word and the message I have for you today. Let, let's just begin this morning by prayer, right? Father, I just thank you for everyone today as we uh, hear your word, hear your voice. Let it be your voice that we listen to, that it brings transformation to our lives, not only for us, but for those that God, that are involved with us, those that we influence. I just thank you that you are our savior, our deliverer, our provider, and our healer. And I thank you that we walk in favor and blessing, and it's all yours and credit to you, and we are honored to serve you and to release it into the world. And we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said amen. Hey, you're in your own home now. You can just reach over and give somebody a high five, right? You're already, you know, no social distancing there. So, you know, I'm so excited about today's message because, you know, this year God gave us the word that this is a year of freedom like never, ever before. Freedom in loving, living, serving, giving, and yes, even receiving. So today I want to bring a message to you about how to, how to have freedom in your finances like never before. That's right, freedom in your finances like never before. Now, some of you might say, well, what's that got to do with freedom, Pastor? Well, Usually when we think about freedom, our mind eventually, unless we have a serious illness or something like that, we usually go directly to our finances and we kind of got our goals of, okay, Lord, if, if, if I made this much or I could pay these bills off or get out of this debt or get that job or that promotion, it's going to bring such freedom in my life. And, and obviously, that is a key component to a lot of things. So as we think about freedom, freedom in our finances, which doesn't do a lot of good if you're ill, right? You need to be healed. It can help with that, but God is your healer. But as we talk about freedom and finances, what I really want you to grasp hold of today is the only way we can walk in true freedom is if we obey the commands of God, because he tells us in Psalm 133 that we live under the commanded blessing. It goes from the head, which is Christ and the church, all the way down through the, the priest and the bride throughout the end of the garments. And God wants you and I to live under a covenant blessing and favor, but it's up to you and I to obey his commandments. And I'm gonna talk to you about that today. Now, you know, uh, a scripture for this year that God has given us, one of the key ones is uh, Acts 10, verse 38. I'm gonna read it to you out of the Amplified. This is how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with great power. Everybody say great power. See, he doesn't just have power. He has great power. And he went around doing what? Doing good. Everybody say doing good. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. Now, what's so cool about that, we usually go to the healing aspect and all those who are oppressed of the devil. And that's the second half of this. But, you know, oppression is not just someone that's totally possessed by the devil or something like that. When we're oppressed, it's a spirit of heaviness. It can be a, a, a spirit of fear, worry, stress. And today in our nation, uh, there's just such a culture of stress, worry, and fear with all the COVID stuff. But then throw on top of that the financial pressure that must be on many that are listening today. I know many in our church as well. So what I want you to understand is oppression comes in many different forms and many different ways, and God gives us a formula to deal with that. Even during the time of COVID, even during the time of maybe being set back or laid off, God can end up turning this year uh, and bringing, you know, financial fear and turn it into financial favor in your life 
If you'll simply get in line with his will, get in line with his word, then you release the windows of heaven to pour out a blessing over you in your life that there is not room enough to contain. And so many times that whenever we uh, go out and minister, like I know for years we go out ministering very poor neighborhoods, homeless, addiction. I would still preach about God's authority, his healing, but I also preach about his favor and that as we sow and give, that's how we receive back from God. Whether you're sowing love or kindness or food or, or healing or finances, whatever you sow, you receive back some 30, some 60, some 90, and some hundredfold return. So as we look at that, we want to see people walk in healing and free of oppression isn't it interesting that Jesus pointed out first doing good? What does doing good refer to? Well, to me, doing good refers to some kind of act or action, right? Faith without works, the Bible says, is dead. So it's not faith. So the only way we can have faith is when we believe, know, believe, and trust God, but we take an action step and we move toward whatever the promise that God gave us is according to his word. So we are to live, the Bible says, out of every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That's where you're free of oppression. That's where you're, where you're healed, where you're saved, where you're delivered, and where you're blessed financially and, and in relationships. So as we look at that, Jesus said what? He operated in great power. He went around doing good and, conjunction, healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. And so it's very important that we understand that we, you know, God, Jesus said that we can't even, uh, he can't even give a drink of water in his name without a person doing it for him. Or he can't feed the hungry without a person doing it for him. He can't take care of the widows without a person doing it for him. So in other words, God needs you and I to have faith. He needs you and I to live a life of blessing, to live a life of favor, where we're not so encumbered by the worries of this world and the carries of this world. But what? We seek first the kingdom of God what and his righteousness, and then all these things are added to us. That's similar to Acts 10, 38, that Jesus went about doing good and then healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So whatever you're being pressed on, pushed down, pressed back, oppressed by the spirit of this world, the spirit of Satan, whatever that is, whether it's finances, whether it's disease, or whether it's... Uh, you know, relationship situations or career situations or ministry situations. I want to encourage you. The first step is what? Doing good. Begin to give to others. Begin to sow into others. See, if I want freedom, I need to sow freedom. And as I do that, what happens? I begin to release a favor and I put God's word into action that he's going to do for me even more what I, than what I've done for someone else. Now, we don't do it just for that reason, right? The reason we do it is because that's what God commanded us to do, to love our neighbor, what? As ourselves. And so as we do that, it opens up the windows of heaven to pour out a blessing, Malachi 3 says, that there's not room enough to contain on our lives. So as we think about that in the context, if we're going to have freedom like never before in 2021, then what is it going to be? We're going to need financial blessing. We're going to need financial favor. We're going to need opportunities to grow and increase so that we can be a greater blessing, so we can do more good and do more than we've ever done before in any other year of our life as a believer in Christ. Now, another key scripture in the NIV version is Acts 10.35. And it says, in everything I did, Paul saying this, 
And everything I did, I showed you. Listen, so Jesus talked about doing good, right? Now, Paul says, in everything I did, he did things I showed you, right? And that's what Jesus wanted us to get. I showed you that by this kind of hard work, you know, sometimes doing good is not easy. Most times it's not easy. It's a sacrifice. And then God honors the heart of a a sacrificial person. He finds a way to get things through to you you can't even dream or imagine on your own. So he said, I showed you that by the kind kind this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. We must help the weak remembering, look at this now, here's what I want you to get. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. Remembering the words, that's his commands, that's the covenant. So it's not only the words of Jesus, but it's the commandments of Father God as well. So we have our Lord God, we have our Lord and Savior Jesus, and we have the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, right? So it's very important that we understand all the commands of God is that we help the weak and we do what we're supposed to do and we're to obey those words from Jesus, right? And from God. It says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. What did Jesus say? Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now you would hope that we would get that message before we're 10, 11, 12, or 13 years old. But unfortunately, I don't think we do. And I believe that history bears out the proof, especially with believers. Jesus didn't say it was more blessed to receive than to give or to sow into other people's lives. He said what? You get more blessing through more giving. It's kind of like if you want your hand shook, the kingdom of God is the kingdom of sowing and reaping. If I want my hand shaken, I need to reach it out, sow it to get it shook, right? If I want... uh, people to love me, I need to love people. If I want people to like me, I need to learn to like people. If I want people to smile at me, you start smiling and people don't even know you will start smiling right back at you. You sow a smile, you'll get a smile. You sow a friendly gesture, you'll get a friendly gesture. Yeah, occasionally there'll be some weirdo that doesn't get it, but 99.9% of the time, you know when you're in a good mood, it seems like good things happening because you got the, uh, the right look on your face and, and people can feel, you know, that, man, that, that person's doing all right. And what happens is they start feeling better by just being around you. And Jesus said it is more blessed, what? To receive, to give, I mean, than it is to receive. Now, the blessing is on the giving side of God. So if we want to live in the commanded, under the commanded blessing of God, It's on the giving side of God. So our freedom, to have freedom like never before in the area of our finances, then we need to challenge ourselves in 2021, even if you're dealing with things that some people your income's not. Some people have gotten increases and started new businesses. Some have went backwards because you've been laid off or your job's on hold or whatever it might be. But I promise you, if you focus on just where you're at, give a drink of water, give a soda, man, give a a cheeseburger to somebody. Find ways to be a giver. And all of a sudden, the receiving will happen on your end like you've never experienced before. So Jesus invites us into his kingdom, right? To be our, to be our heavenly father, be our Lord and savior. But also he invites us into a kingdom of what? Generosity. And that's what God's kingdom is all about because God first sowed his son, Jesus, generosity. And so we need to understand that the kingdom is a kingdom of generosity. The kingdom is a kingdom of giving to those that don't have, loving the unloved, healing those that are sick and oppressed. It's a kingdom of giving, not 
receiving. Receiving is reciprocal from the act of doing good on God's behalf. So if you believe that this morning, just, just type amen in the comments for me and let me know. So Jesus talked about giving. He talked in this interview. Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven or hell. Isn't that wild? He talked more about money than he did heaven or hell. Look at this. He talked more about it than any other kingdom, any other topic except the kingdom of God. So you had the kingdom of God, and then second was money. 16 of the 28 parables deal with money and possessions. He's wanting us to understand the context here. He's wanting us to understand the significance of money, that it's okay to have money, but don't let money become your Lord or your God. It's okay to to, to receive and to do well, but make sure you're giving and you're sowing out to bring goodness to other people. So 16 of his 28 parables deal with money and possessions. Now get this, 10% of the entire New Testament deals with money. So really, you know, if you're feeling, you know, uh, frustrated this morning, like, man, it's tough enough. I don't want to hear some preacher talk about money. Then you're not a giver. I'm not going to say you're not a giver. You haven't been giving. So really, that's your own guilt. That's your own condemnation. You are condemning yourself. And God is a God of grace, a God of love, and a God of hope. And he doesn't want you to live under condemnation. He doesn't want you to live in fear. He doesn't want you to live in what's missing and what I don't have and what's broken. He wants you to see the possibilities. He wants you to live a life of faith. He wants you to go forward and get everything that he has for you. Just like with your own earthly children, right? With our own earthly children, don't we want them to have the best? Have provision, have even more than we have. Our heavenly father is the same way. So why would Jesus, this is a valid question, why would Jesus talk so much about money? Why would Jesus talk so much about money? So, and I believe the reason is because people desperately need, we desperately need wisdom and understanding in handling our finances. Because there was one study, Stanley and Markham study, and we know this by life, right? The number one problem in marriages is money. The fights about money, the fears about money, the offense, the separation, it starts somewhere with money and then it affects every area of their lives. You know, I could say, everybody raise your hand that needs healing minister to you. And there would be about 70, 75% of the people. But I said, everyone needs some kind of financial blessing or breakthrough or increase. Raise your hand. It'd be 99.9% of us would raise our hands. So that's proof that Jesus, I think he knew what he was talking about. If you believe that, say yes in the comments. So we also see the fact uh, many of us are living paycheck to paycheck. Many of us are drowning in debt. And in fact, a recent study says 78% of people who are working full-time are living paycheck to paycheck and in deep debt. 78% of the people working hard are living paycheck to paycheck and in deep debt. See, that's the culture that we live in today. It's a stressful fearful culture concerning our money and our finances. Now, with that being said, think about this. It's been shown that if you earn $40,000 a year, a minimum of $40,000 a year, you are in the top 4% income earners in the world. $40,000. And that's not counting the perks you get, nice roads to drive on, you know, insurance to replace your vehicles, insurance that you can get at a cheap cost to, to take care of your family. That's not talking about all the other things we get. That's just talking about 
straight out salary or or hourly wages of 40,000 puts you at the top 4% in the world in earning. Now get this, if you earn $48,000, think about this, $48,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the world's wealth. The top 1% of the world in earning wages. If you only earn, if you earn $48,000 a year. So really we are wealthy, not just a wealthy nation. Really we are a wealthy people and we need to understand that. So it's not what we don't have, it's what are we doing with what we do have? What are we doing with what God has given us? What are we doing with what God has blessed us with? There was um, there was another article that says, that I just read that said 10% of people who earn at least 100,000 a year struggle monthly to make ends meet. Struggle monthly making $100,000 a year to make ends meet. So really, it's a mindset. It's not so much is it 10,000 or 100 or a million. I'll prove it to you. A few years ago, an NBA player was so upset and frustrated with his team, he said this. The NBA player talked about how hard it was to live on just $14.6 million he was making that year. He was only making four. This is real. This is truth. He was only earning $14.6 million that year. And he said, when talking about his contract, he said, why would I want to help this team win a title? They're just paying me $14.6 million. They're not doing anything for me. Wow. I'm at risk. I have a lot of risk here. I got a family to feed. I mean, if we can't feed our families on $14.6 million, we must have a really big family and a really hungry family. That's all I can say. Well, it's the same, but see what I'm wanting to show you is whether you make $10,000, $50,000, $100,000, or $10 million, it's not so much what you're making or whatever, it's the mindset that we have. Now, there's something else I'll show you here that really blew me away. Uh, there was, a, a, a re, according to research, uh, it says this, uh, more Americans make, the more Americans make, the less generous we are. Isn't that sad? The more Americans make, the less generous we are. Studies show that the average American gives away $1,600 annually. $1,600 per year, the average American gives away. The average Christian only gives away $1,800 a year. $1,800 a year. So that means 52 weeks a year, if you came to church every Every Sunday, you're giving just about a little under $2 a Sunday, right? Isn't it sad that more than the world? The world is doing just about what the church and what Christians are doing on an average. And then we wonder, why is the church so much like the world? Maybe because our mindset is not much different than the world. And so it's really critical. And I want you to have financial freedom, man. I want you to break through. And we have some things we'll talk about at the end of the day's uh, broadcast to help you with that. And we have small groups. We have opportunities. And we just want you to grow so you can take care of what God's blessed you with. And once you do that, and so, then he can give you more. Can you say amen? If so, just type yes in the comments. So now God gave us something to help us with. And it's really the bedrock of our faith other than we're saved by grace through faith. This is the next thing. And this is what helps you to stay where you need to stay and be able to sow and do what you need to do. And what is that? That is tithing. And you hear me talk about that quite often, tithing. Now, the Living Bible says in Deuteronomy 14, verse 23, it says the purpose of the tithe, which means the tenth, is to teach you to always put God first. So if we want to go into Matthew's gospel and say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you, what do we got to do? We got to realize seeking God, God says, give him our 
first. Not our thirds, not our tenth, fifth, but our first. So let's look at it a little bit deeper, beginning in verse 6, Malachi 3, verse 6. It says, I'm the Lord, I, the Lord, will not change. And it's funny how we sometimes try to change God. And I mean, we all attempt it, even unconsciously, like our kids try to change what our commands are by wearing us out and wearing us down. And sometimes we just give up, but God doesn't give up. He's not like you and I, right? He's not going to give up. He's going to see it through because he knows the why. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how shall we return? Now, this is critical. He says, return to me. This is the NIV version. He says, return to me and I will return to you. You, you would think, well, they've just totally backslidden and don't even believe God exists anymore. That's not what he's talking about. He said, return to me and I will return to you. They said, well, how shall we return? Will a mere mortal rob God? And then he said, will a mere mortal rob God? And yet, God, yet you rob me. God said, man, how we return? So will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And then he answers it for him. He's, now he's tired of messing with him. He's asking the question and answering himself before he even gives him time to answer. And he says, this is how you rob me, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse. So we understand how to do Deuteronomy too about that, right? So we, we could either live in blessing or cursing. What's cursing? It means the heavens are stopped up. It means you probably won't even get what you deserve, let alone what you don't deserve. And so he's, he's letting us know that. He said, but bring the whole, W-H-O-L-E, tithe. What does tithe mean? It means the tenth, 10%. He said, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. So he's not only talking about grain and materials, but he's talking about all kinds of things that, that are life and necessity to not only the believers in the church, but so the church can reach the community as well. And he said, test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven or the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that there's not room enough to even store it. Man, one translation says that, that your ditch will overflow. And I used to preach a series years ago about digging your ditches. And I'm just telling you, man, God wants you to dig your ditches. God wants you to, 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 to dig into the earth deep. What's that mean? I'm going to sow so that I can have a big trench that God can overflow on my behalf. Man, God doesn't want you living in debt. God doesn't want you living in fear and worry and anxiety and your marriage stressed, your kids stressed and feeling hopeless. Do you know uh, there's never a baby born that, that is depressed, right? Now that first little spanking doesn't feel so good, right? But once that baby starts getting its demeanor and stuff, if there's not a lot of crazy stuff going on around, it's smiling, it's gooing, except when it's hungry or it needs to use the bathroom, right? Other than that, or sleep, those three things. It's happy as it can be. And so we weren't born depressed. We weren't born in fear or anxious. That's a learned behavior based on the conditions around us. Now, when you're born again, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says you become a new creation or creature and old things pass away and all things become new. It's time to start living in that new nature. It's time, but we can't truly live in it until we do good. 
until we obey the commands of God. And God gives us the why. He makes it clear. He makes it plain. And if we want to live in financial freedom like never before, guys, we must obey the word of God. We got to come into alignment with him. You know, we can be stubborn. We can doubt. We can just get angry and stomp off and not do it. But he's not going to give in like our parents may have given in, right? He's because he knows the why behind it. So let's look at this just for a few minutes about our tithe. So like I said earlier, our tithe is what? It means a tenth, just 10%. If I had 10 pennies up here, I take one penny out, give that to God first before I pay direct TV or dish or any other bill or my phone bill or my electric or whatever. I pay that to God. Why? Because that is putting him first. That's his own words, right? So um, we don't really use that a lot in our language today, a tenth, but that's what it is. So, and he says it belongs to him. He said, return to me. That 10% is not yours when you're a child of God. That's his. And actually, people say, well, what about the New Testament? Well, the New Testament, everything's supposed to be his. Not the Old Testament, they at least got off with 10%, but now all we have is supposed to be God's, right? But Leviticus 27, verse 30 says this in the NIV. A tithe of everything from the land, that's what God said, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. That means it's separated for a sacred use to the Lord. So we got to realize I am no longer my, my, I don't own myself, right? When I gave my life to Christ, I became dead to me and alive in him. The old nature, all that's dead. Now I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Everything I own and have, I'm to be a steward of. I don't own it. Words like ownership to us is just words we've made up. We're really to be stewards. I don't own my sons. I'm stewarding them for God, and so is Stephanie. So we got to get the mindset that we don't own anything. We came into this world naked. We're going to go out naked, right? You didn't bring anything in. You're not going to take anything out. No matter how much they want to put it in your tomb or your coffin, you won't even know it's there because you won't be there if you're a child of God. To be absent from the body, what is to be present with the Lord. So Leviticus tells us clearly that God owns everything. And then we see down there in verse 10, uh, so where do I tithe? So we see, first of all, it belongs to God. Then it's like, where do I tithe? And God made it clear. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So under the old covenant, the old Testament, that was the temple. But under the new Testament, it's the local church. And God wants us to bring the W-H-O-L-E to the church. Now, we get to do it through push pay. We even have convenience, right? We don't even have to come. Or we can do it when we're, now we're doing it with COVID, even when we're in the sanctuary, that we can just give then immediately. So the tithe goes where? Into the house of God. And God wants us to do what? Bring the very first fruits. That's why he calls it fruit. The very first fruit, the very first 10% is always God's. Pull it out first and it opens up opportunities that you can't even imagine for you and your family. Now, what does God do when we take that challenge? Because isn't that a challenge? He said, test me in this, right? Verse 11 says, he said, because what he said, he said that he would throw open the heavens, throw open the floodgates and pour out such a blessing. What did he do? He said, test me up there in Malachi 3.10. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. 
So God is saying, um, you test me. This is the only place in the Bible we get to test God. He's saying, you test me in this and see what I will do. God is double dog daring you. He's, he's challenging you. I mean, think about that. God is challenging us to put him first. God is challenging us to give him the first penny out of every dime, the first dime out of every dollar, the first dollar out of every 10, the first 10 out of every 100, the first 1,000 out of the first 10,000, and so on. But you know what statistics say, even Christians, the more we make, the less generous we are. That doesn't mean you're giving less money, but it means you're giving a less percentage or you're doing less for others according to what you have to do it from. And God's challenging us. He's just saying, hey, Will you or won't you? It's up to you. He said, but if you do, he said, I'll pour out a blessing. There's not room enough to take care of. And then he gives us an insurance policy in verse 11. And he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Man, you, you battling Satan over your finances and stuff. A lot of times it's just bad decisions we've made and now we're dealing with it. But when we put God first, what happens? Now it opens us up for divine favor to rebuke even some of the stupid decisions we made. Help us out of those. He said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy what? The fruit of your ground, <clears throat> nor shall the vine fail to be bare of fruit in your field, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, where you live, where you work, where you receive from, the ground that gives you your return of health and finances and good relationships. He said, you, you just won't even imagine what I can do if you would just simply put me first. He said, see that I will not, see that I will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor shall the vine, see that he will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in your field, says the Lord of hosts. Think about that. He said, man, I, I just want to do this for you. I just, I just want to bless you. I want to demonstrate my love for you. God wants to, he has already challenged us and he is doing that. Why? So he can demonstrate who he is to us. So he can demonstrate his love. So he can demonstrate that he is a God that comes to every time. So something I've done for years early in the ministry, but I haven't done it. Goodness, I don't even know how long, at least four or five years, maybe longer. And that's a thing called a tithe challenge. And what is that? Simply this, and, and it's never failed one time. Uh, I want to put a challenge out to you that if you're tithing or you haven't, if you haven't tithed or you've gotten off the bandwagon of it, if you will start tithing, we're going to do this, kick the challenge off next week after service. You can start it early or you can start it then for 90 days. And if you will document through push pay at you and what you give, and if you will document where you're giving by check, however you're doing it, but it's got to be documented. And in 90 days, if you have not seen such a turn in your life and favor in your life, your, 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 your income or finances going farther, going longer, or, or stuff being written off that you thought you had to pay, or income coming in that you got to raise, whatever, something that you can say, or just, man, your faith is at such a high level and blessing and favor, it's unlocked a whole new realm to you. So my challenge to you is, if you don't see some kind of awesome difference in your life by putting God first with your money, that's 10%, the first penny out of every dime, right? Putting it, and first fruit means you don't wait to the end of the month because you won't do it. You do it immediately, immediately. And as soon as you do that, what happens? 
you know, you can give it before Sunday. You get paid on Friday. Man, you can, you can push pay right then and just so you're not even tempted. You just, boop, get it out and put it in there. I promise you, and we've never had one, one person. I've done this at least a half a dozen times. We've never had one person come back and say, I want my tithe back because this, this just didn't work. So that's a pretty good track record. Thousands of people over seven, eight years probably. So I, I just want to challenge you with that. So you can simply uh, join us next week. We're going to be doing it. And uh, there's a link there on the screen that you can just get on that link and it'll help you sign up even today if you want to get you going. So I'm excited about it and I'm excited about what God's doing in your life and about you're gonna take the challenge and put him first. If you wanna break the back of the enemy and get the devil, the devourer off your field, off your back, the very first step, my friend, I can lay hands on you, oil you, grease you, whatever, but you're not living under the blessing so it's hard to get you blessed. But if you'll do the basics and the commandments of God, it opens up so many other areas and avenues for your life. So I want to pray for you and uh, just pray for God's favor and blessing. And as I do it, I just want to pray for all of you, man, that are far away from Christ or you've backslidden or you've never known him. I just want to, want to let you know Jesus loves you so much. And we love you here at Bethel. And the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is promised to no man or no one. This is the moment. This is the time. There's been people you've read online or in a paper or whatever that passed away maybe last night or yesterday that didn't expect it. I want you to know he'll protect you, heal you, deliver you. But even with that, you don't lose because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I want to pray for all of you that want to come home to Christ. And then I'm going to pray for you for favor and blessing on your life. So everyone right now that you need to rededicate or come home to Christ right now, pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, right now I repent of sin and Lord, I believe you rose from the dead on that third day and ascended to heaven to the right hand of the Father. I believe, Father, that, that when I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, that he resurrected, that his atoning blood will cleanse me of all sin that by faith I can access grace to be saved. So I believe now, Jesus, you rose. I believe now, Jesus, you are the Lord of my heart. Come and live in my life. And right now, dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that I am blood-bought. And in your name, Jesus, I am saved and on my way to heaven. Praise God. Give somebody a high five. Make sure you let us know in the comments, friends, because we want to connect with you and give you tools so you can finish the race strong. Now, also, I'd like to pray for you, man, that man, maybe you've been battling some depression and loneliness. I know with COVID, it's a, kind of a strange time and all the crazy political stuff and all the other stuff going on in our nation, that this could easily be a time that you find yourself isolated and down. And there's friends I have that, are never depressed, they're battling depression right now. And I know it's a short-term thing, but why suffer? You know, suffering is a choice. I find myself falling into that dark time for an hour or half a day, and then I have to shake myself because I've been there for several years, and I don't ever want to go back, and I know how to break it. And I got the authority and the anointing of God to break it off your life if you want it broken off your life right now. And if you do that, then also pray for this time for you to come into covenant and start your journey in tithing if you're not tithing right now. Let's pray. Father, just raise your hands right now if you need to be set free. Father, I just thank you that Jesus went about doing good, but also healing the sick and setting the oppressed free. 
that are oppressed by the devil. I break the curse of depression and fear and anxiety and worry. I break it off every person under the sound of my voice. I command to loose its hope. Darkness go, light come. Jesus rise up in them right now. Holy Spirit move on their mind and their heart right now and we give you glory for it in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Father, all of you, all of them that want to join in this tithe challenge, give them the courage. Give them, God, stir up faith in them that they take this step and they don't stop and they finish the race giving their first fruits to you so it qualifies them to receive blessings that they don't even have room to contain. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Wow, what a cool time. Bummer we couldn't be in person today with the snow and all that and ice, but, you know, we're still together. So I sure do love you. I can't wait to see you soon. And uh, make sure you share this challenge and jump in it. And let's, let's just go over the top doing good for God. Until next time. Be blessed.